Hello and happy Tuesday. Thanks for coming back to the Airport Minute. I'm your host, Jim O'Kane. I'm Mark Cerulli. If it's Tuesday, it must be airport. <laughs> and I'm your guest today, Brian Fees, a writer and cartoonist. And today we're talking about Minute 7, the title of which is a $50 wrenched back, which we're going to talk all about lawsuits and class actions yes, and, and all in, kinds in of... Yes, in today's money, that would be a $5,000 wrenched back. Let's just point Easily, and a, Yeah, so everybody goes home in a new Tesla. So le- yesterday we were talking about uh, poor Doug, who had to make that call to a guy named Mel saying uh, runway... 2-9er is closed, and it could be a long time before they open it up. On the other end of that phone is a man in a tuxedo saying, okay, I'll be right there. And this man in the tuxedo is none other than the Burt Lancaster, also known in this movie as Mel Bakersfeld, mm-hmm. who is the head of, uh, he's the terminal manager for uh, Lincoln International. And, and, and if you he, notice, I love when he walks away from the phones, the, the extra playing the janitor is just continues, you know, uh, working on the floor. And I, I guess the direction from the uh, director was, under no circumstances do you look up at Mr. Lancaster. Do you understand that? I, I was wondering if he was the mayor of Minneapolis or something. <laughs> yeah, we, got a great, we got a great cameo for you, sir. I just, I, I'd like to say how, how, from a storytelling perspective, how genuinely impressed I am with, with the introduction of, of Burt Lancaster as Mel. Because, you know, in, 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 there's a lot of character revealed there in those first 10 seconds we meet him. He's, he's in a tux. He's an important guy. He goes to fancy events with rich people. But he's, he's the guy you call when stuff falls apart, you know. And, and we, we know that about him before he's even said a word. And, and then the, the shot we have of him up on his private office corridor with all the sheep and you know the rabble down milling around in the the airport terminal and there's mel up there on his own private little walkway it's it's it really tells us you know about him about his job about his status um i think it's a really nice character reveal it is good and it's also handy from a production point of view because that was probably the scene where they told everybody that worked at lincoln or at at, uh, minneapolis airport that if they wanted to be in the movie they could show up thursday night we're going to be shooting with none other than burt lancaster and you can fill in the background in the uh, in the terminal floor so and that was their scene was, with burt yeah <laughs> so, so and they brought all their friends and relatives to see their big movie premiere so think of the money they just got dragged out of the the extras families mm-hmm. right there the one thing that i puzzle over is the previous minute we were looking at Doug calling a phone number and he answer, he says, you know, hello, Mel. Now the phone that Mel picks up is a white courtesy phone. <laughs> so did he know that Mel was going to be walking by that particular phone at the time? I mean, it, we didn't see any kind of a, you know, paging Mel Bakersfield. It was, I guess it was it's, at it's hand. suspension so. of disbelief, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually noticed a few other circumstances or circumstances like that in the next few minutes so um, maybe okay, we'll, we'll be talking about as they come up all this week but yeah that was a particularly uh tough one the other uh thing that this first part of the scene helps is they could show the whole minneapolis uh st paul airport as he's walking down the corridor and as they switch where he goes into his office which is unlocked and wide open very I'd, plush yeah and apparently anybody could you know wander through but and grab all those dare. No, no it's, it's Mel's. Don't mess, don't mess with Mel. He, uh, you know, he's got his red stapler and all that, but that manages to get them from the on-location shooting to the Hollywood set of uh, of Mel Bakersfield uh, Universal Studios office. So he turns the corner, winds up in Hollywood, and uh, marches into a, a nice empty office. It's pretty sad that, like, like you said, this was his 
apparently he had to be somewhere. He had his tux on and uh, his shift was over. He must have worked in a whole day. And then uh, now he's thinking he's got to put in another shift. Yeah, just a kind of a sad life. So instead of instead of you know putting on some comfortable uh, a comfortable shirt and some jeans because he's got a lot of work ahead of him, he dresses up in a suit and tie. I just I just love the formality of that. And, era. and then galoshes. Galoshes. Yeah. galoshes. Yeah. 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 Because because somehow somehow it's a lot easy. It's a lot more relaxed than wearing a tux. I mean, what carefully putting in the and the hat and the totes. He's got all he's got those totes that he keeps putting but on. Nothing looks hotter than galoshes. <laughs> and then uh, Tanya's calling up, and apparently Tanya, who is uh, the head of customer service for Transglobal in uh, in Lincoln International, uh, she's been going through reading some piece of paper, which we haven't found out what, what it's about, but she <laughs> hasn't been noticed that there's 100 people stranded out on a runway. And is that the and first they... use of split screen in the film? I think so. 1970s yep, split right. screen. Love it. Yeah, it, it's done. I mean, what brought it about was the movie Woodstock. Woodstock was almost entirely split screens. They had all different scenes and suddenly everybody had to have that because it would look now. It would look cool. And they must have blown the budget on optical printers for this thing because there are some, this is the simplest one. It's just a half and half screen, but we're going to get into stuff further down the line where they're doing ovals on top of diamonds and it's just crazy. That's all going to come back. We're just waiting. <laughs> But uh, again, here here we meet Gene Seberg uh, as as Tanya, and and uh, again I gotta compliment them for the amount of character development they get into a very small package here. She the way she talks with Mel, Mel's the boss. We already know Mel's the boss, and she's kind of familiar with him. She's she's a little flirty with him. Uh, you know before you know what she does that she's got an important job at the airport too. She's not as important as Mel, but she's 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 important. And I kind of wondered what. What resonance this might have in the in the context of the era of women's lib? To, you know, she's not a secretary. She's she's got a good job at this airport. I just wonder if there was any. I wonder how someone in 1970 would have would have seen that. Right. She is a professional. I mean, the only other professionals were well, the only other women that we see there with jobs are uh, Maureen Stapleton's character, who runs a you know she's a night cook at a coffee shop, mm-hmm. but I can't and, and the stewardesses. So, but other than that, I think, I mean, Ada Quonset is retired and I don't know, Mel's wife does philanthropy work as far as we can tell, but I don't know what else, if she actually has a job somewhere. Comes from all um, of money, it sounds like. Yeah. But I should point yeah. out that, that Tanya wasn't opposed to leaping in and providing coffee and sandwiches when needed. Oh, yeah, this was actually her first uh, offer of food. There's a lot of food coming up in this uh, movie. <laughs> yeah, the actors were all well-fed making this film. Yeah, her uh, well, her first, yeah, actually, her opening line is, how about some coffee? I mean, she didn't even say hello. <laughs> it's like, easy on the coffee. But, uh, she's Yeah, she's very much a professional, although we'll see her taking subservient roles in later minutes that um, I guess it's just that, you know, it was the habit in there, like, you're the girl, you have to do this or that part. But she manages to work her way through uh, supervisory positions as well. Yeah, it's, but yeah, this is an interesting start. It's a movie very much of its time, of course, but uh, it, it, and in that respect, I was impressed that she you know, was obviously a woman who had a job of some importance in this airport. So you know, it's, it's not perfect, but it's, it's something that looks like progress. Mm-hmm. True. And she is calling the shots in many cases. I mean, she's mm-hmm. saying do this and do that, and it's, uh, it's nice to see it. And she's treated as equal to uh, the other people that she works yeah. with. I also and like that. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. Uh, well, it's a great gonna... little dialogue exchange uh, where, where Lancaster says, 
Uh, I mean, where she says, I found something, and he jumps in, I've lost something. Runway 2-9-er, which I thought was, <laughs> that was pretty well written. Yep, that was good. Didn't mean to cut you off there. No, no, I was just going to, to inject that um, Tanya and Mel already, uh, uh, since we just met them, they seem to have a little romantic chemistry, a little little heat, which I think is interesting because I understand, and maybe you can correct me on this, that, that Lancaster and Seaberg really didn't get along. Is that true? Right. That that that's right. They uh, Lancaster didn't like Seaberg. She didn't she didn't care one way or the other. But Lancaster had a problem. She thought she was he was un, uh, she thought he thought Seaberg was unprofessional in doing the job. He just wanted to get the thing done, and apparently she wanted to do a lot of retakes. So uh, he didn't get along with her. But you never see that on screen. I mean, you you see that chemistry, mm-hmm. and uh, it it just shows the professionalism of both of them being able to to come up with that on screen. And she made very good coffee. That was something else. <laughs> and sandwiches. Fine cup of coffee. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Wow. So she's going to get a bunch of release forms and head out mm-hmm. for the uh, people with a $50 wrenched back, which I wonder how they came up with that as a uh, as an idea of how much it was going to cost. Sounds like a real it bargain. Was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> pay, pay them off, have them sign the release, send them on their way. Yeah. I, this was before they, off, they gave you offers for uh, $300 off your next uh, airline flight. Yeah, she and basically she had she was telling them that she had to fake some sympathy and understanding while he was out there. Yeah. That pretty much takes us through the entire minute. We are uh, we're going to get into a lot more action, a lot more driving and exciting music and all kinds of uh, mayhem to come. Uh, so uh, let's uh, let's talk about that tomorrow, though. In the meantime, please check out our website airportminute.com. And you'll be able to catch up on previous episodes. And we also have some pictures and story summaries. So if you're missing anything, you can you can read about it if you haven't heard about it. But uh, until tomorrow, we're, we'll check back with you. Uh, thanks again for listening. Roger that. And good day. Nice going, sweetheart. Remind me to send a thank you note to Mr. Bowling.